Thanksgiving is like my favorite holiday of the whole year. Anyone else that Thanksgiving is their favorite holiday? Okay, just one or two of you. How many of you Christmas is your favorite holiday? Yeah, yeah, whatever. So Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and this is why. Because most years it is very relaxing. All you do is eat. You can maybe watch some football. If you're crazy enough to go out to the stores and do some shopping, you can do that. But for me, I just like to sit at home and maybe put up our Christmas decorations and different stuff like that. And we went to do that on Friday. And uh, these are the trials of having a pre-lit tree. It comes out and the lights aren't working. I'm like, oh, it is a Black Friday after all. And so we had to go and get a new tree because I'm not going to go through every single light and try to figure out what's going on. But I love Thanksgiving because it is relaxing. Uh, It's unlike Christmas, which is always in a hurry and things are like crazy. You don't have to go and buy lots of presents. You're not broke at the end of it. All you've got is a full belly and uh, you get into a food coma and you wake up and there's more food to eat. It is wonderful. Uh, And this is why I prefer it to Christmas is because Christmas does feel like a hurry. So growing up, Christmas for us, we loved Christmas, but Christmas did not start until 5 p.m. on Christmas Day for us. And this is why. My mom was one of those last-minute shoppers. She would be out all day Christmas Eve uh, getting presents. We would never see her. Then she would come in. She would make some quick fish and chips because we're in England. We eat fish and chips. And so we would eat some fish and chips. And then she would hand us all the gifts for our other siblings that we would have to wrap. And then we would all go to bed. Then we'd wake up in the morning. We would go to church Christmas morning. And then we would come back, and we were kids, and we were like, can we open our gifts yet? Can we open our presents? Like everybody else at church had already opened their presents, but we hadn't. Because my dad was the pastor. We had to get there early, so we didn't get time. And then we get home, and my mom's like, no, we're going to eat dinner first. And my mom, dinner to her or lunch to her is like this grand feast. And so uh, we would have to eat, and then the queen would come on and do the queen's speech. Every year, the queen does a queen's speech at 3 p.m., and so we would have to stop dinner and watch the Queen's speech because that's what you do. And then after that, then we would clear up and then we were like, can we open our gifts yet? And my mom and dad would be like, no, let's just take a little nap first. And so it'd be like 5 p.m. I mean, they were the cruelest parents in the world. And so that's why I didn't like Christmas because it was the hurry, 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 hurry. And you never got to relax. You never got to sit down until 5 p.m. on Christmas Day where we open gifts in front of the fire. And I get a, see, I get a feeling that this season that we were about to go into. It's called the season of joy. It really should be renamed the season of hurry because there's a few of you, you are organized, you have everything ready and the rest of us this month is going to go like crazy and we're going to be here and there and everywhere and everything is going to be hurry, 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 hurry. And what we're going to see, we're going to see lots of white rabbits everywhere. And what I mean by white rabbits, if you ever know Alice in Wonderland, the white rabbit would come, oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. Oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. And that's what I feel at times many of us were like. We're hurrying around all the time and life is such a hurry that we're always on the go, always going here and there and everywhere. Now, there are certain people in, the, in our church, they have different occupations that require them to work long hours. There, we have some nurses and some firefighters, some emergency personnel. Um, I'm not sure if we've got any doctors. We may do. But 
They work long hours. And because they work long hours, the government then puts in a rule or a law that says that after they work so many hours, they have to take a break for a certain amount of hours. Uh, and then they're not allowed to work beyond that scope of hours because then they could be a danger to the people they're trying to help and the people they're trying to treat. And so the government understands that you can only go so long at being at peak performance before you come crashing down, before you start to lose your perspective, before you start to lose your judgment, and that you need a rest and you can't just hurry, hurry, hurry all the time. And some of us are like this in life. We, we keep going and going and going and going and going, and we never take a break. We never stop. We hurry around, keeping ourselves bit for, so busy for so long that we are not even realizing how our fast-paced lives are affecting our lives, especially our spiritual life. The continual hustle of life is actually at times wearing us down, And we're starting to lose our sharpness and our spiritual edge. So there's an old fable of an old axe man, this old uh, lumberjack. And he had this business where they would take an axe and they would cut down the trees and they would then farm the trees out and the trees could be used for for wood for all different purposes. And so he had this business and throughout all his life he had become this experienced uh, axe cutter. And he took on an apprentice one day and uh, uh, the apprentice would work and he learned under this wise old axe cutter how to cut wood uh, and how to cut as many trees down as possible. Well, one day this young apprentice decided, I think I'm a little stronger and I have more energy and I'm able to do more than the old man. So he wanted to challenge the old man. So he, he said, hey, how about tomorrow when we get up, let's have a competition who can chop down the most trees? And so the old man just looked at him and laughed. His son, sure, we can do that. So they woke up the next morning and they went to work and they started chopping and chopping at the trees. And as they started chopping at the trees, uh, the, you could start seeing the sweat coming off both of their faces. And, and, and the young man was just like, I'm going to beat this old man. I'm going to show him that, that youth rules and old people suck. And so, and he started to, to, to uh, and that isn't true, by the way, just to let you know. That was the young man's perspective. So he starts, starts, take, uh, starts uh, going away at the trees with his axe. And he's using more and more energy. And then he looks over to see how the old man's doing. The old man is going very slowly, just hitting the trees very slowly. And then once in a while, he would look over and he would see the old man just sitting down like he's taking a rest. And the young man thought to himself, that old man, he hasn't got a hope. I'm going to have like 10 times more trees down than, than, than what he is going to be able to cut down. And so he kept cutting and he kept cutting and kept cutting. And throughout the day, he would look over and he would see the old man going really slow and then just sitting down once in a while and looking like he's taking a break. And so the young man thought, well, I've won. At the end of the day, they came and they counted up all the logs and all the trees that they had cut down and the young man was looking very smug. And as they started to count the trees, suddenly the young man's face started to change. For the old man had cut down twice as many trees as the young man. And the young man looked at him and was like, it's got to be a recount, right? We're all about recounts at the moment. So it's got to be a recount. Let's do a recount. And 
Still, the old man had cut down twice as many trees as the young man. And so the young man looked at him and said, I don't get it. How did you cut down as many trees? I, I have more strength. I have more energy. I kept going all day. I didn't take a, a, a lunch. I didn't take any breaks. You were sitting down all the time. You were taking breaks. And the old man said, listen here. He goes, you saw me sitting down and you thought I was taking a break. But I wasn't taking a break. I was sharpening my axe. Because it's a lot easier to cut a tree with a sharp axe than a dull axe. And Galatians chapter 10 verse 10. Solomon, the wise king, said this. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. And so what this young man was doing, he was going with all his energy, but he was hitting the tree with a dull axe. And he was using more energy to try to get the tree down. And when we forget to sharpen our axe, then what we find is that it takes more and more energy to do life. But when you have a sharp axe, life becomes a lot easier. And the things that we do in life becomes a whole lot easier. See, I'm thankful that we have a God who understands our needs before we even understand our own needs. Did you know that? You have a God that you are here today and worshiping who understands your needs even before you understand your own needs. And he is a God who commands us to rest. He is a God who commands us to sharpen our axe, for he knows that life is very tough with a dull axe. Let me show you what I mean. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, God has just created the heavens and the earth. It took him six days to do it. And on the sixth day, he created his most incredible creation, and it was called man. Six days to create the heavens and the earth. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. And it says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his creation. So here is God, the almighty being who understands the need to rest. He has worked for six days creating this incredible thing we call planet earth. And now he understands his need to rest. Now notice this. God rested on the seventh day. It was God's seventh day. But it was man's first day. Remember, God created man on the first day. Then the seventh day, the very day after God created man, it was man's first full day. And God said, we're going to rest. See, this is a problem for many of us. And the problem for many of us is this, is that if you want a healthy life, we need to stop acting like God and acting a little bit more like the men and women that we are. We need to stop resting out of work and instead work out of your rest. 
Let me say that again. We need to stop resting out of work and instead rest or work out of our rest. See, God is the one who works, then rests. But man is the man is the one who rests, then works. And the problem is for so many of us, our natural instinct is this, that we rest when we're tired. That we work, 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 and then we get tired and then we rest. But God is telling us that we shouldn't rest because we're tired, but instead we should rest because we need the nutrients for our soul for the journey ahead that God has for us. And this morning I'm going to share a story in the Bible uh, that, 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 that happened with a man called Elijah. And Elijah was a man who, who got this all mixed up. He was resting out of his work instead of working out of his rest. And we're going to pick up the story in the first book of Kings, chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to the first book of Kings, chapter 19. And let me just give you some background before we start reading. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets this world has ever seen. A prophet is someone who hears a message from God to tell to people. So Elijah was a prophet that God used him to speak to other people. He was actually one of the greatest men who had ever walked this earth. And at the time when Elijah lived, Elijah lived in a nation that was trying to outlaw the worship of Jehovah God, which Elijah served, and instead infiltrate a false religion to worship a false god called Baal. And so from, from the top down, from the king and his wife, all the way down to the peasants, they wanted everybody to start worshipping this, this false god called Baal. And so Elijah, being a man who worshipped God Jehovah, he, he came face to face with, with these people who, who were trying to stop him from worshipping God Jehovah and telling everybody else about God. And then one day he came against 300 prophets of Baal. And he was on top of a mountain called Mount Carmel. And they basically ha- had this bet whose God is real. Uh, and, and the prophets of Baal, they like danced around all day, did these rain dances and stuff. And, and they couldn't prove that God, were, their God was real. But then Elijah commanded fire from heaven. And fire came down. And he proved to everybody that the Jehovah God was real. And that the prophets were wrong. And then he slay and killed the prophets. Then after that, it was like one of the greatest spiritual victories Israel had ever seen. And then after that, then he went to the seaside and he he went on a cliff and he looked over the sea for there had been a drought for three and a half years. And so Elijah started to pray to God for rain because people were getting thirsty. The crops were dying. The animals were dying. And there was a need for rain. And so Elijah started to pray for rain. And it, it was this intercessory prayer. He prayed seven times and it was a hard prayer. And and as he started to pray on the seventh time, he suddenly starts to see a cloud on the horizon and God sent the rain, which was pretty amazing. And then when God sent the rain, Elijah was like, we need to go and tell the king. And so Elijah started to run. And this is like Forrest Gump kind of running. And he starts to run. And as he runs, he runs faster than a chariot for miles upon miles upon miles. It was one of the most satisfying days of Elijah's life. It would have been one of the most satisfying days of any of our lives. And 
Elijah got tired. I mean, I get tired after running a mile, so I couldn't imagine trying to outrun a chariot. But Elijah got tired. And this is where it brings us into Acts chapter, uh, sorry, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Uh, Jezebel was, Ahab was the king and Jezebel was his wife. Verse 2 says, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you just as you killed them. Talking about the prophets of Baal. Then verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Now think about this. He's just killed 300 guys and this woman says, I'm going to kill you. And now he's scared and fleeing for his life. Sounds a little strange, right? It says he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I mean, this is kind of crazy. He's had the greatest day of his life, and now he's wanting to die. He said this, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Think about this for a moment. Elijah had just seen the greatest miracles of God in his life. He had seen God make a pathway where there was no way. He had seen God answer prayer And now he's sitting there saying, God, I've had enough. I can't take this anymore. Take my life. See, Elijah was tired. Anyone else know what it feels like to be tired? You know, last Saturday was uh, was the first day for six weeks that I actually took a day off. I'm like, I broke every like Sabbath scripture that you could imagine. It was just a crazy intense season. And I started to find throughout those six weeks of not taking a day off how it started to affect my soul, started to affect my perspective. I started to see things in a different light, not in a healthy light. I started to, to, to get very anxious about things. I could feel like my heart beating really fast and, and, and I couldn't even take like a, a work or anything like that. And I started to understand that when you are tired, you start to lose perspective. And this was This was Elijah. Elijah was tired, and it's when you are tired, you start to lose perspective. See, Elijah had the God of Israel on his side, but yet he'd forgotten about that, and he wanted to die because he lost perspective. And reading into this story, it may sound a little crazy, but due to his tiredness, he started to get scared. And after the high of the victory, the low can be pretty depressing. There's some different uh, companies out there that are like search firms for pastors. And so they're, they're like, if you, want, if you want to be a pastor and you want a job, you go on their website and you like, take a look at you know, the jobs that they have on offer. And, and there's one that, that, uh, uh, that I know some of the guys from. It's called uh, the Van der Blumen Group. And uh, they have this podcast, and it's a leadership podcast. And, and, and the guy who runs it was saying this. He says that it's amazing. He says the number one day we get the most resumes from pastors is Monday. Monday is the day. 
And what it is, is, is you find that Sunday is this high day, this great day, where you're, you're outpouring so much energy, and then Monday comes around, and it's like tiredness starts to take over. It actually used to happen with me. We used to have these Sunday services, and we had great Sunday services, and then we would leave, and then on the, in the afternoon, I just start to get like really depressed and really down. And I start to lose perspective and like, oh, no, it's like the, the church is going to close down because nobody's going to come back. And it's like, I'm a failure. I'm the worst in the world. I'm a bad husband and, and everything. And I, got, I started feeling like this. And then even into Mondays, and, and it happened for quite a few years. And God really did something with me and started to, 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 to really change me. But I realized it wasn't because I, I had some chemical deficiency. It was just because I was tired. And so often in our lives, because we're tired, we, we, we lose perspective. And, and Elijah suffered a problem that most of us suffered, is that he was resting out of his work instead of working out of his rest. He was empty, and when we are empty, we lose perspective. So let's continue reading. In 1 Kings 19, verse 5, it says, So Elijah lay down and slept under the broom tree. See, that's what most of us want to do when we are tired, right? We want to sleep. Like, I don't know about you, but I love Sunday afternoon naps. They are amazing. We love to sleep when we're tired. And this is what Elijah did. It says, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So we ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Now, I could just imagine Elijah, because I'm like this, when like I've gone to bed and then my wife comes in and she makes a whole lot of noise and I'm asleep and I get woken up, then I fall asleep and she wakes me up again. I get a little annoyed. I can imagine Elijah getting a little annoyed with this angel, but the angel is saying that you need to eat for the journey ahead. Then verse 8, he said, so he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the nights. See, Elijah wanted to sleep, but Elijah was about to learn a lesson that not many people learn. And the lesson is this. Sleep in itself is not rest. Sleep in itself is not rest. In fact, you could sleep 10 hours a night, every single night. You could sleep in on the weekends and you still do not find rest for your soul. See, rest is not sleep. Rest is recharging. And when you sharpen your axe... It's about preparing your mind, your body, your soul, your life for the work ahead that God has for you. See, for Elijah, going to sleep under the broom tree would not have given him the rest his soul needed. It would have just given him temporarily from the pain of tiredness. Now, I believe in sleep and we need to sleep. And some of you, you're sleep deprived. That's another story for another day. Me, if I don't have seven hours of sleep, I am a hot mess. You ask anybody, when, when Evan was like a couple of months old and he wasn't sleeping through the night, I was terrible. I mean, I needed my sleep. But what you need to know is that sleep in itself is not rest. 
In fact, you need more than rest. Now, my mother, when I, when I was growing up, she had all these different sayings that she would say, like mothers do, you know. And uh, you, you, when you're like young and you hear them, they like go in one ear and out the other. But as I've grown older, I've started to realize some of the crazy things my mother said actually has some good spiritual elements to it. So there were four statements that my mother would say quite often to me. And these were the statements my mother would say. First one, don't go to bed on an empty stomach. Anyone said that to their kids before? Always eat breakfast before you leave the house. This is my favorite one she would say. Alexander, make sure you go to the bathroom before we go on a long journey because there's nothing worse in this whole world going on a long journey and having to take frequent bathroom breaks. And then the last one she would always do, and she would always sneak something in my bag when I went to school, take a snack with you. You'll never know when you might need it. And I didn't realize when I married my wife, I married my mother because she does exactly the same. It's like a bag full of snacks. I mean, it's great. But these are the spiritual elements that I learned in the things that my mother said. Don't go to bed on an empty stomach. Some of you, you are trying to sleep from your tiredness, but your soul is empty. You're trying to sleep, but your soul is empty. You haven't filled up your stomach with the food of God. And what happens when we sleep on an empty stomach? We don't get good sleep. We often wake up in the night and go to the refrigerator and see what's in there. And there's nothing ever in there. The second thing that my my mother said, always eat breakfast before you leave the house. You've heard people say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Why? Because it gives you the energy for the for the, for the day ahead. But some of us, we are trying to go into life and do life and going into work and, and, and trying to deal with our family and deal with our friends and, and deal with what life is giving us. But we haven't filled ourselves. We haven't got the nutrients in our soul to survive what is being thrown at us. And this is why we need to spend time with God and read his Bible and pray and, and, and get close to God so he can feed us. See, Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the Bible, God's word is perceived as food, food for our soul. Then she said, don't make sure you go to the bathroom before you go on a long journey. And this is where many of you, you're finding it hard because... You are trying to do life, but what has gone into your life prior is now affecting you. You are trying to carry on with your life, but you have to keep stopping and stopping and stopping and dealing with the junk that's inside of you. And that's why we need to daily go to the bathroom of repentance and of grace and get rid of the waste. That's why we need to daily practice repenting before the Lord. So that when we move ahead, what we digested into our souls before will not affect us in the future. And then the last thing that she says, take a snack with you. You will not know when you're going on, the journey, on this journey of life when you will need a word from God. 
When you will need a scripture that you can just rely on, that that can speak to you. You don't know if if there's a bill in the mail or or, or there's an issue in your family or or there's an issue in the workplace. And you don't know if you can carry on, but you know you can just go into your little nap snack and and get a little snack out. And you can look at the word of God and it can sustain you through what is going on in your life. See, what the angel of God was doing to Elijah, it was helping him recharge. So I'm asking you today, how are you allowing God to recharge your soul? How are you allowing God to recharge your soul? Where are the broom trees in this life that you are sitting under so that you are giving space for God to recharge your soul? See, You may have spent this whole weekend relaxing. Some of you may have been off work. Some of you, you work in retail. God bless you. But some of you, you spent this weekend and you've relaxed. You've eaten probably too much. You've done a little bit of shopping maybe. You watched some football. But you are just as anxious about going to work tomorrow morning as you were last week. And this week of rest has maybe done nothing for you at all. And if that's you, it's, it's because you may be looking for rest in the wrong places. See, rest is only found through Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to, 20, uh, 28 to 29 tells us, Then Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus is the only place that you will find rest for your souls. And today we have gathered and as a community to worship God and to bring thanksgiving to the Lord. But I believe part of what God desires for us today in this place is that we will give God space To allow him to start to feed our mind, our body, our soul, our lives. So that the journey ahead, we will have enough with us to sustain us. And some of you, you're trying to sleep on empty stomachs. Others, you're trying to fulfill all that you have to do in life without filling your heart. Some of you are forgetting to go to the bathroom of repentance. And you're carrying with you the junk that you consumed years ago. Some of you, you're leaving his word behind and not eating when you need it the most. The journey ahead is too important. You are too important to let tiredness and hurry affect your perspective. I'm going to ask Zoe to come back. And as Zoe comes back, I want to read one more scripture to you. And as I read this scripture, I want you to take in the words that are being said. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah, who heard a word from God, and I believe this word is to us today. And this is what Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of all the earth. He never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power 
to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion. But here's the promise. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is the promise of God for those who come and feast on His delight. That you will soar. That you will run. You will not grow weary. You will not faint. And even though this life is getting busier and busier and the hustle and the bustle and the hurry of this season is about to come upon us, you do not have to fall prey to it. For when you work out of your rest, God sustains you. And just like Elijah, when the angel came and fed him for the days ahead, God will come and feed you too. Let's bow our heads in.